In our previous episode, we talked about what you can do as the offending or betraying spouse when you're walking with your betrayed spouse through the trauma of recovering from the disclosure of that betrayal. And we talked about the need to avoid defensiveness, how to avoid playing the victim, how to demonstrate remorse. And today we want to continue to speak to your context and give some more guidance on how to walk with your spouse in a way that supports recovery rather than finding yourself doing things that derail or hinder this healing process. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have another healing episode for you this week. This is episode number 240, and today we're going to be talking to betraying spouses about some of the finer points of helping your betrayed partner to heal. Hey there, make sure you listen to last week's episode as it provides a lot of additional content on this topic. Also make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice and most of all, we offer hope. So let's get into the topic of helping your spouse heal. Okay. So as I mentioned in the intro last time, we identified some of the key tasks of rebuilding your marriage after a betrayal. And I don't want to rehash those here, but obviously the content we have for you today really builds on what we covered Mm -hmm. last time. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure you've already uh, issued a sincere, thoughtful apology, have truly made an empathic acknowledgement of all the ways in which your betrayal impacted or affected your spouse. And again, if if your betrayed spouse has not seen you identify with his or her pain, then she or he is definitely not going to let you off the hook. That's just kind of mm-hmm. how this goes. Okay. So it's natural for him or her to want you to fully grasp how bad the betrayal hurt so that they can have some assurance that you're totally committed to making sure it doesn't reoccur. Mm-hmm. If you don't see that it hurt, then you might do it again, right? Right. And I often see couples wanting to go through this part quickly. The apology sounds like, yes, I know I hurt you, but why do we keep coming back to the same thing over and over? Like I thought mm. we already covered this. Right. And the reason why you keep coming back is likely due to the fact that you've not fully acknowledged the impact on your spouse. There's some aspect of that hurt or the the way it's impacted them that has not been acknowledged or owned or discussed. Okay. So, you know, they don't keep bringing you back there just for fun. It's usually because there's something you're not getting that you need to get. Okay. That's typically what's going on. But it it also may be due to the fact that your spouse's betrayal trauma is unresolved. And so if it is the latter, we want to give you three actionable steps today. Be patient, be helpful, and be hopeful. And we're going to actually unpack those quite a bit. It sounds a little bit sermony, which is not usually our style here. But uh, these are really helpful points that we, we need to understand about how the trauma recovery process goes. Okay. Okay. So we need to be patient. Yep. So traumatic experiences are often life-changing. They not only affect our emotions, but they also change the way we see the world. So your spouse may have gotten past the feelings of shock and numbness that were towards the initial disclosure Mm -hmm. timing, but now they may also feel more insecure, more suspicious, or generally distrustful of you. And there may be ongoing episodes of rage, and people in your circumstance often find they can tolerate ongoing sadness much better than that ongoing rage. So I think in any circumstance. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. But just particular to this kind of context. Okay. So part of the patience thing here is is that it's critical that you take the long view. What do you mean by long view? 
Like long term, or yeah. okay. Like you're kind of looking at the trajectory of where you're, where things are going between you guys. Okay, because you can have a few good days in a row, and it's easy to conclude. Okay, she's over it now, or he's over it now. We're past that difficult stage. But you know, it is good to enjoy those moments when they come. It's also important though to note that the process is going to take time, and often after a few good days, you'll think you've turned a corner. But it's more realistic to realize or believe that you're on a long, slow trajectory towards healing. And there's going to be some smooth patches and there's going to be some turbulence. Mm, so if you're enjoying okay. the smooth patch, enjoy the smooth patch, but it doesn't mean the turbulence is done. Right. It's There still might be more along the way. Right. Okay. And then when those bumps come, you're mad because it's like, I thought we were all good. Right. right? I thought we were over this. Right. Okay. But you're on a trajectory and there's some smooth patches and there's some turbulence. Okay. And that will keep occurring for as long as it needs to. Okay. So that's why the patience is so important. Yes. Now, on a related note, physical intimacy during this period can be very unpredictable. Sometimes couples find a revitalization of their sex life and even become hypersexual for a time. Uh, from our perspective as counselors, we often see that as them trying to repair an attachment injury. Okay. The wound that's come between them in the emotional bond, the connection that they feel. It never works, uh, but it makes for some great sex during that period. Other times, the betrayed spouse will declare a moratorium on sexual intercourse, like this is just not happening. Okay. And it's also normal to expect it then to take a while for your sex life to find its way back to a new healthy balance. Okay. So, so that's the patient side of things. All right. So the next phase then, or not phase, but um, consideration, because mm -hmm. these are going to be running parallel, I think, is to be helpful during the rebuilding. So it's actually easy to back off during a time like this even as the betraying spouse and withdraw out of frustration. When you cause betrayal trauma, it can, be, it can feel very hopeless in your marriage at some points. And you can get really mm -hmm. just kind of hopeless that it's ever going to change or get better, that we're going to get past being hung up on what I did. Okay. Right? And, and it's normal for the betrayed spouse to want to make the betrayal a subject of ongoing discussion. There is a delicate balance here, though, because you want to be helpful by being willing to talk about whatever needs to be talked about. But we often see two kinds of problems coming up during these discussions. And the first problem that often arises is that the betrayed spouse wants to know all the fine details of the betrayal. Oh. Um, not uncommon. But especially yeah. in the context of sexual betrayal, the gritty details of your sexual encounter or encounters will often further traumatize your spouse when you share those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, you may share them in sincerity and they may demand them in sincerity. Like, you have to tell me everything. We're done with the lies. But there's kind of a, there's a really, again, a delicate balance here to say... Are you sure you want this information? Because it's it's probably going to make it worse for you, right? So let me... But of course they're going to say yes. Well, no, some people will reflect on that. will catch themselves. Okay. Yeah. The catch here is that if you appear to be hiding the information, that increases suspicion and further erodes trust. And what needs to happen in these moments is to have a careful, open discussion about how much information is too much, including the possibility of re-traumatization by revealing more detail than is strictly necessary. Okay. In our practice, we believe the sexually betrayed spouse has the right to know who your sexual partners were, how often you met, where you met, and when you met. Okay. Things like, yeah, do I need to get into details of what doesn't matter? Or is that no, I think that's pretty okay. clear. Like all the little details yeah. aren't necessary and could actually be harmful. Yeah, it creates like imagery, traumatizing imagery in the mind of the betrayed partner. Okay. That they wouldn't otherwise need to carry. But these other facts they need to have so they, they can know if they're safe. Because if you're going out at those mm. times or going to those places or meeting with those people, then that's right. still an ongoing active threat to the marriage. Gotcha. Okay. So the second problem that often arises is that the betrayed spouse will often try to pursue discussion about the betrayal for hours and long into the night and way into the wee hours of the morning. Okay. So there's there's an aspect of, of trauma that leads to what we call like a hyperarousal. So they'll 
it's almost like by talking it through, they activate the same intensity of the original betrayal in like a subconscious effort or desire to, to this time control that feeling down to manage it mm. instead of feeling out of control and driven kind of crazy by these, the intensity of the betrayal experience. Okay. And they may not even realize this is happening. And, and usually I might even say always these discussions are unproductive at this point because they've gone mm-hmm. too far and it's really the trauma is taking over. And this is not how trauma gets healed. So what do you mean by they've gone too far? Uh, Time-wise, like it's way too late. Everybody's overtired. You're emotional and distressed just because your brain is barely functioning anymore because you're so past it. But you don't feel tired because you're fully... Because all your stress system is fully online because you've activated the threat Uh, sense again. Okay, yeah. And so just simply because of that exhaustion and the traumatic hyperactivation... It's not likely to be productive. Hmm. And so at some point, and this is again delicate because if the person who's done the betraying is like, you know what, I'm done, I'm going to bed, Mm -hmm. then it looks like I'm avoiding you, I'm dismissing Mm -hmm. you, and I'm leaving you. Mm -hmm. Right? So this is really Uh, tough. So you may actually need to have this discussion during the day and agree on a time, or even if it gets to the point and it's possible, you may set a boundary of some sort to say, I will discuss this with you until this time. And then at that point, we're going to write stuff down and I promise you I'll come back to it tomorrow, but the discussion will end. Okay. Yeah. So you have to kind of follow through on that promise, by the way. Yeah. So that's like a healthy way to wrap up. To wrap it up. Yeah. The discussion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's being helpful. Can I just ask a question kind of related to that? Yeah. Like, is, is, do you ever get to the point where like the discussions will just never be a help even during the day? Or is it because as you were saying earlier, there's some unresolved trauma there? So both of those, the the second part answers the first. So if there's unresolved trauma, you can't talk trauma out. So there may, you may be revisiting some topics and just not able to move past them because the trauma hasn't been addressed or dealt with or healed. And okay. as a, as a non-clinician, we wouldn't expect you, you know, as a quote unquote ordinary husband or wife to have the skills to know how to resolve that with your partner, with okay. your spouse. So if both of you notice that that pattern is happening, then um, that's a great time to choose out a therapist who understands what betrayal trauma is. Okay. So all of our marriage counselors in our practice, that's actually a specialty. Like they're informed and they understand what that is. They know about it. A lot of, even a lot of good marriage therapists don't because this is kind of another layer of trauma that's not as common. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, that just kind of helps with how to be helpful around those discussions and yet have them. And I'm, again, you wouldn't want to pull this out right at the start. So mm-hmm. there are t- couples do solve stuff with a few late nights of hashing stuff out. So that's fine. I'm talking about when we're into months here that we start to say, okay, this is not working. And then, yeah. And, and after the- weeks of not sleeping or a yeah. few hours of sleep or poor quality of sleep, like, oh my I can't even cope after like two Yeah, you nights. just cope, can't cope because you can't cope and it's not even about the original problem. Anymore. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So if you're someone who would honestly admit that they find it hard to be patient during this process, then I would recommend you get your hands on the bonus guide for today's episode. Some of us do struggle with patience and this one is about dealing with impatience and really unpacking that so you can do a better job of being patient during your spouse's healing journey. And this is available to patrons of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll take a 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. 
It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we are talking about being patient and being helpful. And lastly, let's take a few moments to look at hopefulness. Okay. Now, this is often a difficult journey. Maybe I could say this is always a difficult journey. And it can be frustrating when you know that you've caused the mess you're in. But while that is your fault, that's your responsibility, it's also not within your reach to fix it all up either. So you may have caused the mess, but you can't clean it all up on your own. Okay, but you've said in the past, like it's not the responsibility of the betrayed spouse to fix things. Like the betrayer needs to take that responsibility. In the marriage. But if I, as the betrayer, cause you trauma, I can't fix your trauma from my chair. Oh, okay. I can I can create an environment that's helpful for that. Okay. And I can support you during that and be very patient with you during that. But I can't actually fix your trauma. That's the part. You're right. Okay. That's okay. the part I'm talking about here. Okay. So there are no shortcuts to healing. There are no surefire ways to make sure that the process turns out how you want it to. It's a unique journey for every couple, but when taken with care and thoughtfulness, it will often result in a marriage that is stronger and more intimate than what was originally torn apart hmm. by the betrayal. And we've seen this in our practice. It's borne out in the research. It takes commitment and effort from both partners to rebuild the marriage into this form, though. Right. But like that's hope right there, though. It's hope. And it's hard work. Okay. So, yes. Now, one of the ways that you can hold on to that hope is to realize that this is a healing process. And wounds this deep do take time, but they can be healed. Okay. That's the message here, right? So we've we've helped many couples recover from betrayal in our practice, often from very extreme betrayals, uh, such as sex addiction. And while couples would never choose this journey for themselves, when they do learn or sorry, when they learn to do the hard work of forgiveness... And to become more open and vulnerable with each other at the appropriate time through this process. And then when they join together in recovering from the wounds that have been inflicted, they are stronger and more resilient than they were before this mm-hmm. all happened. Right. So it doesn't need to leave sort of the, the, the scarred, torn apart fragments of a marriage, but it can actually create something stronger than what existed previous to this betrayal. Right. Okay. But you're not saying that without a betrayal, you'll never have this strong of a marriage. No. Okay. No, no, but almost inevitably, because there has been a betrayal, the marriage wasn't as strong as it was maybe perceived to be beforehand either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. This is not the best approach to strengthening your marriage. No, no, that's <laughs> kind of what I was getting at. Okay. Absolutely, no, yeah. But I'm just saying when it does happen, this Take is Take hope, hope because there is, yeah. there could be better things at the end of it. Yeah. Okay. And so one of the things that you can do for your spouse during this time is to assure him or her that you're committed to doing the work that you need to do in order to be a safe, trustworthy, reliable spouse. This is me speaking to the betraying spouse. Okay. okay. Remember that trust after betrayal is built by reliable behavior over time. Making promises, swearing on the Bible, that sort of thing is noble, sounds grand. And we, we, we well believe that you may be fully committed to what you promise, but promises don't build trust. Mm-hmm. Trust is built by reliable behavior over time. There's right. no substitute for the time factor. 
there's no substitute for the reliable behavior. Okay, when you talk about reliable behavior here, like say it was a sexual betrayal. Yeah. You're not just talking about reliable behavior in that department. We definitely include that, but it's also even things like often you folks You said that, you'd do this yeah. and you didn't, or you said- I told you, you I'd be home at 5.30, I was home at 6. Right. right. Often there's a lot of that stuff going around. At the same time, because it's it's the sort of um, the maybe unconscious lack of consideration for your spouse. That's why they become hypersensitive to these smaller details, because they know that if you're paying attention in the small details, you're going to take care of them in the large details. Okay. And that has to be built out by reliable behavior over time. Okay. And this might be behavior which wouldn't have been a big deal before right. if there hadn't been right. the betrayal. Right. But now it's like super important that right. you're and the, often the betraying, super reliable. Often the betraying spouse is like, why am I getting nitpicked on all this little stuff? Right. Well, this is why. Right. Okay. Makes so sense. you need to have that reliable behavior in every aspect of life yep. so that they can trust you again, even though only one aspect maybe is what you betrayed. Yeah. This requires change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. And Tough. you can see why at the end of it, why there's hope that it'll be stronger right. and better. And right. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense to me. Good. We want to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. We have Ashlyn and Mackenzie. Thank you to all our patrons who support us so faithfully. Yes. Next week, Caleb. Yeah, we're going to have one more episode uh, for spouses that have betrayed their loved one. But we're going to look at that one differently, very specifically how to deal with your own emotions of guilt and shame. And that's a really interesting episode too. Okay. Because, yeah, there'll be a lot of emotions going on trying to help your spouse and yep. all of your own. Yep. Good. Well, that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 240. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever. So that's the patient side of things. Uh, you just let a whole pile of bugs in. It's okay, they're nice bugs. No, they'll probably bite me. Then I will smack them. Okay. Like a bus.